This is Get Outside with Kids. I'm Jen. I'm Kate. Life with kids is messy. You might as well take the chaos outside. We're definitely not experts, but we've tried a few things over the years, and maybe you can learn from our messy, muddy mistakes. Welcome back to the Get Outside with Kids podcast. On this week's topic, it's one that, I mean, to be honest, it's kind of like the thread of our whole podcast overall, but we wanted to kind of call attention to this one specifically because we feel like this is probably a question that maybe you're thinking consciously or maybe it's kind of subconsciously bubbling up about getting outside, getting up for that first hike, that first camping trip. And that is, what's the worst that could happen. This is often what I'm thinking or we have often thought about. And so on today's episode, we kind of wanted to address, you know, what is the worst that could happen? We'll share some of our mistakes and hopefully you won't have to experience these things. It does sound kind of scary the way that we've pitched this. What's the worst that could happen? You've got to think about all the terrible situations and do the doomsday planning. But I think it's a great approach because a lot of the time it's just fear of what could happen. It's fear of being scared or fear of being unprepared as opposed to just dealing with the situation and moving on. And you'll find that there's always a way around most things. I mean, when we're talking about what's the worst that can happen, we we hopefully don't mean like getting stuck in an avalanche and getting heli lifted off a mountain. Hopefully we're choosing activities when we're hiking with kids that are well within still a safety lens of things. But as you know, a simple trip around the block or even down the street to your park can often feel like it has turned into a full-blown catastrophe. So we're going to share some of our what's the worst that could happen, what we learned from them, um, and a few kind of outtakes along the way. What I do want to leave you with now before you maybe start panic and decide we never want to go outside again is at the end of each of these stories, what's the worst that could happen? We're all still here. We all survived. We also have the same number of children. We also have all of our fingers <laughs> and toes. So even though some of these instances where it felt like the worst that could happen did happen, it kind of wasn't that bad. It was bad in the moment, but it wasn't like life altering bad. It was like, oh, okay, this was a really good learning opportunity. Um, and hopefully we can, you know, change something up or plan better, or at least we know we got through it. And so it'll be that much easier next time. And it's probably a good place to note that there are lots of great resources out there. If you want to be more prepared in the outdoors. If you're very new to the outdoors and you're taking on bigger adventures, there are lots of resources like Adventure Smart that can help you with those. We're talking about what's the worst that could happen on a two-kilometer hike with a kid. Um, and the, the kind of the kind of uh, level that you'd be taking kids on, not the massive backcountry trips. Although if you're taking kids on them, that's pretty epic. Yeah. And that then you probably need to find a more uh, a more hardcore podcast than ours. It's not us. It's not us. <laughs> more tips for that. Um, so why don't we dive right in? And I'm going to talk about what's the worst that could happen with kind of a weather related incident. So if you live out here on the West Coast or really anywhere in Canada, uh, but particularly on the West Coast, we get a lot of rain. You've probably heard that you're listening from somewhere else. You're like, yep, you've heard about rain Coover. We get a lot of rain. And so often we have to think about rain. Even if there's a small chance of rain, we do kind of plan on rain for our hikes. Now, what we don't actually get a lot of around here is snow at lower elevations. And again, often hiking with children. We often aren't going into those higher elevations necessarily, um, especially early on. And so often we're not really keeping snow top of mind the same way we always keep rain top of mind. And so this one particular day uh, was driving out quite a distance for this hike. It was like an hour and a half drive out with another uh, mom friend. We were both nearing the end of our maternity leave. So we were about, I think our children were about 11 months old. 
And it was a hike that we had wanted to do for quite some time. And we really wanted to get it done, uh, you know, before going back to work and getting busy. However, the weather wasn't looking great, but we were like, no, we're going to persevere. You know, it's one of the last weekends we have available. And we know once we get back to work, just, you know, the realities are just kind of going back to the grind would make it just a little bit less possible. Kate's face is kind of crumpling as I'm saying this as we, uh-huh. as we are now back to work. If you're on maternity leave and you're a month away from starting back at work, it's a horrible time. The mental games of like, what am I doing? The mum guilt, the confusion, maybe you're really looking forward to being back at work and you're feeling guilty about that. It's a tough time, I think, mentally for a lot of mums or other parents who are returning to work and you are trying to rush to get everything into your whatever length mat leave that you have, in this case, 12 months, and you're like, I've got to have all the best experiences. I have to have the most quality time with my kid ever. What I don't think you realise at that point is you're still going to be around once you're back at work. (laughs) I definitely thought like this. I was like, it's the end, you know, the I'll never see my kid again. And it's really just the beginning, but you can't know that at the time. So I'm just kind of putting myself back in that 11 month point and knowing that I was feeling like that too. Must have lots of amazing magical experiences. Yeah, we got to do it all. We got to get out there. So needless to say, with this pressure on us, we went out there for the day. Uh, What I didn't really realize was that given the distance, there was a little bit of elevation on this hike. And so the rain was coming down quite hard and it actually turned into snow. So we we meandered on this trail. And, and oftentimes on the West Coast, you see rain in the forecast and you go, oh, it's going to rain for 30 minutes. It's going to stop. It's going to rain on and off. And sometimes you do luck out and the rain does go away for a little bit. So when we got there, my friend had a full snowsuit for her son and a muddy buddy. And I had a number of layers, but not a snowsuit, but however, a muddy buddy, but thinking that's okay. We're, we've probably got enough going on here. So we start hiking our way up the trail. It's quite a steep trail, this one um, up to Linden and Lake. If you've been out there before in Chilliwack, uh, steeper than I expected, actually. I feel like I totally underestimated how steep this hike was. It wasn't a long hike. So I probably was just, you know, again, feeling a little bit overconfident because the distance is quite long, but it's very steep. And then you add a whole sludge of rain coming down on you. Needless to say, we get to like the lake. I think we stayed there for three seconds. We took one photo at the lake because now it was snowing. It's really coming down. We're trying to book it back to the car. And at this point, you know, everyone's miserable. We're pretty wet. You're soaked. You're frozen through, but you can't stop. You can't stop. There's nowhere. There's no shelter. There's no quick restaurant along the way to warm up at. Um, and I had definitely underdressed uh, my child at that point. And I was really a little bit concerned, you know, not concerned at a hypothermia level, but concerned of, as like mom guilt level that I should have brought, you know, a few extra layers of clothing. So we finally get back to the car and I, my fingers were just like frozen numb. I had brought gloves, like like the tiny dollar store gloves that you would wear that I were just soaked through, not even proper, you know, handwear for myself. And so it was all I could do. Uh, my son, and I was screaming. We're back at the car. You know, he's tired, cold, hungry, all of all of the above. All I could do now, I got to strip him down completely to get all the wet layers off. I did have dry, clean clothes in the car to put at least dry clothes back on. Get into the car where uh, my friend had, you know, cranked up the heat. Get inside the car. Get all cozy. Um, start to feed him, and then oh, finally calm down and realize we had survived. And it was a good reminder, like. Okay, that was really bad. We did survive, but next time I will more strongly check the forecast. And if it is kind of that in-between time of the year, like it's probably always worth just at that at that age when there are babies, just to throw in the snowsuit. And if you don't need it, you don't need it. It's an extra little bit of layer, but always probably better to have it when it was like it was a chance of flurries. I didn't quite think it would turn to flurries. Uh, needless to say, my son slept like the entire ride home. <laughs> ordeal. We were all pretty tired. So good reminder to pack some more layers, but also at the end of the day, like 
will he be old enough to remember that mom should have packed an extra layer on this hike? No. Did we actually check off this hike off our bucket list? Yes. And did we also learn to check the forecast a bit more closely? Also, yes. (laughs) Was it an amazing view? Perhaps not, because we only spent two seconds Um, there. I mean, it was very brief, the view. I mean, we saw the lake, (laughs) we took one photo, and we immediately turned back because of the unrelenting. For reference, I have been there before, uh, not under those conditions. It is beautiful. It's very beautiful. And you can actually camp there, which is nice. There's only a kilometre and a half to the first campsite. There's a couple of tent pads there. Um, So we're actually eyeing it up for perhaps an overnight hike with our older kid because... It is very steep, as you say, but you can you can get in there. It's getting very busy, that hike, though, like many hikes around Vancouver. Um, I think that what you said there, though, Jen, there's a couple of things that are, you know, it, it does sound like you are unprepared perhaps on the hike, but the fact that you had a set of dry clothes in the car, that's an awesome backup, you know, making sure that you've always got a couple of nappies or diapers in the car and you've got a full change of something, even if it's just a T-shirt for the kid. If you, I mean, even if you don't and you have just a spare, <laughs> you've just changed their diaper and crank the heat, that still works too. But that's a really good kind of saviour, like just to, to save the day at the end there to make sure you've got a spare change of clothes. I'm guessing you probably didn't have a change of clothes for yourself. That maybe I think something. I had socks for me and that, that, well, that's a good idea. that felt amazing. Yeah. And the other thing I was thinking on that note too, is I think from that, I've learned like, no matter how old your kids are, it's just always worth having a pair of pants and socks in the car. Like pants and socks can go so far to save an activity. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like so far. (laughs) The sock thing. Yes. And my kids four and a half, we still have issues with socks. So you're right. I should just cut my losses and chuck a pair in the car. Maybe I'll do that tonight. Uh, <laughs> That's a good one about weather, but let's pass it over to Kate because Kate has more of a uh, on the wild side kind of story for one of her outings and what's the worst that could happen. One of the things that I think a lot of people who are new to the outdoors are worried about or new to Canadian or North American outdoors is they're worried about wildlife. And as I've touched on in a couple of episodes, I have I come from Australia where we have a lot of snakes and some of them can be pretty bad. So, (laughs) you know, you need to be careful. Um, But we don't have any large mammals um, and we don't have many animals. We don't have any animals that are going to try and stalk and kill you. Um, So it can be kind of terrifying. And I remember being very overwhelmed by that um, when I moved to Canada. What helped me to become less overwhelmed is learning about the different types of animals, at least knowing what it is that, that, you know, you might need to be afraid of, and then learning how to actually react um, if you are under those circumstances. So the example that I'm talking about today happened at Rocky Point Park, which is a really very urban park. It's where there's like city festivals here in the city of Port Moody. And it's like a big green space, very safe, very open, very urban. And I was walking there with my two kids in the double stroller. So my younger kid would have been about six months old and my older kid would have been about three and I was pushing them along on a path and somebody, I heard somebody going, hey, hey, hey. And I was like, completely ignored it because I'm like, I've got two kids to look after person. Like I'm very busy over here. I'm pushing two kids, super important. I don't have time to turn around at the sound of your voice. <laughs> you know, off in my own mum land. And then I kept going, hey, hey, hey. And I turned and I looked over my shoulder and I don't know, 10 metres away from me was a black bear walking in the same direction as me. And we were coming to a point in the trail where if I had continued in about eight seconds, we would have been shoulder to shoulder. 
because the bear was going the same direction. And it was kind of, you know, you hear that your brain slows down in these moments when you, you're kind of terrified and your adrenaline starts to pump. As I turned and looked at this bear, I swear I saw every single strand of fur on its head, all in like high definition. And the bear, I, I obviously, as you can tell, my brain went into kind of overdrive for like, I have two very small children here. And the one thing that you, I remember remembering about when you see a bear is they always say, pick up small kids. That's basically it for any kind of, you know, cougar or bear or any kind of animal like that, pick up small children. And I, I was like the, you know, the mother bear <laughs> scared, got two small kids here. The bear was so chilled out. It could not have cared less, but that didn't change the fact that I had this massive reaction of like, oh my gosh, you know, I felt it through me. But what you're always told is stay calm, stay calm. Do not keep walking towards the encounter. That would be a bad idea. <laughs> yes, yes, please do not approach the bear. <laughs> do not continue to walk until you're short, shoulder to shoulder with the bear. But I stopped and I gently started to move backwards and I was talking and saying what you're supposed to say, which is, hey, bear, hey, bear, hey, bear, and just backed up gently. And the bear, like I said, it was completely chilled out. It didn't care. It probably walks through that park every day. I didn't know this at the time. And my three-year-old's going, mommy, why are we turning around? Why are we-? <laughs> I think the worst part is the whining in the stroller. <laughs> why, why are we turning around? And I was like, oh, just um, she hadn't seen the bear. She didn't even see it. I was like, oh, we just have to, we've got to uh, just go this other way now. And once I got far enough away from the bear that it was, I was not in, you know, imminent danger, a lot of people came up to me and they said, oh my gosh, you got really, <laughs> really close. You got really close. I'm really glad that you stopped in time. I was like, oh yeah, I'm pretty glad too. It took a long time for my heart to calm down. But I think the thing that I realized is exactly what people say about most bear encounters is that they're not posing a threat to you they're not they don't want to attack you if it had wanted to attack me it would would have just gone ahead and done (laughs) what I'd done at that point wouldn't matter you can learn about what you're supposed to do you speak quietly you try and well not quietly you speak firmly but you don't panic you don't run you don't try and no sudden movements the bear doesn't normally care it's not out you don't look that tasty pick up your small kids and yeah, I mean, that's kind of a bad situation when I survived and the bear didn't take either of my children. Yeah, so black bears are common to our area um, in most of lower mainland BC. Um, and for the most part, like Kate like said exactly right, like the bears really don't care about people as long as, I mean, as long as you're not feeding them, of course, you're ignoring them, you're giving them space. For the most part, the bears here are like super chilled out. I'm just going to go eat some food. I'm going to find me a berry patch, maybe go lay in the sun, call it a day. The day before that encounter as well, we'd actually seen a bear on the Crystal Falls hike and it was doing what I've only ever seen bears do in cartoons where it was a bunch of people had stopped. They were looking through the forest and it was rubbing its back up and down against a tree. And again, everyone on the track was, there was a lot of people who seemed very uncomfortable. But this bear, it obviously would have known we were there. They have very good sense, senses that would have known we were there and it was not interested in coming over and interacting with us. So you just do the same, you keep moving. Um, and I know that probably, particularly if you're listening from Australia, um, you'd probably be kind of freaked out by these moments. <laughs> but as I said, the way that I have found to be less freaked out about it is just to find out what you have to do and how you should react. And then when it happens, that stuff just kind of comes right to the front of your mind and you just do that and 
bear keeps going, you keep going. You get a lot of um, respect from people around you. Are like, wow, that was that was so intense. How you got close to that bear? I'm like, yeah, I didn't mean to do that. That was not on. <laughs> was not on purpose. It's definitely not on purpose. And I can also say for someone who's hiked a lot around BC, I've actually. I don't know if I've ever seen a bear on a hike specifically. Definitely not with my kids. I've never seen a bear hiking with my children. I think I have a few other times a hiking on my own or as an adult. Um, but I did live in Whistler for a number of years. And um, in Whistler, you see bears all the time. Like it's part of your day-to-day routine seeing bears to the point where I often would bike to work on what's called the Valley Trail in Whistler. And early in the morning, that's when bears are more active. And more than once, I almost biked directly into a bear on my way to work. (laughs) That it's like a comical, like, screech on the brake so you don't like slam into the bear. Again, like Kate said, slowly and calmly back away and then either wait for the bear to pass or obviously, you know, go around and find a different path to work. And then when you're at work, you're like, oh, sorry, I was late again, almost ran into a bear. And people are like, Oh, yeah, that seems about right. So, you know, depending on where you're listening to this in BC, uh, black bear encounters may be more, maybe more common where you are. But again, I do want to reassure you that it's not like every trail me and Kate are hiking, we're seeing bears. It is still quite rare to be out on a trail seeing bears. And one of the best bear deterrents, in fact, is loud noises. And if your children are toddler age or school age children who love to yell and scream and sing on the trails, you've got your own built in bear deterrence with you. Yeah, you just encourage them to just amp up the volume, which they're probably already doing. Um, I will say that there is a lot more to bear safety with camping that we'll get into in another another episode. And there's a lot more there around how you keep your campsite. But talking in general about hiking and walking, or in my case, going to the local park, which is like the most popular park in Port Moody. <laughs> um, in general, bears, there's, there's not much that you need to know and they don't want anything to do with you. So what's the worst that could happen? You encounter a bear on your hike, follow the easy things that you, you read about and you respond in the right way. Bear goes in its way, you go on your way. That's it. It's a cool story. It is a cool story. It is a cool story. It is a cool story. Maybe let's talk about something a little, um, I guess, less wild and more common that is probably going to happen to you if you're a parent hiking with a baby and that's another B, blowout. Um, If you are out there hiking in the wild with a child who is under six months old, it is likely at some point that child is going to have a blowout on the trail. Do not wish this upon anybody. If you're in that stage of parenting where your child has wonderful blowouts and you wonder, how could a baby so small create so much mess? Like, Like the physics of it and the math, just they don't make sense. To this day, as a parent of two children who has done so much laundry, I actually, I just don't understand the in and the out proportions of small human beings. Sometimes it's just something simple, like you forgot to do up the diaper. And <laughs> I have actually had that happen as well. I've had that too. I've had that too. And some horrific, horrific oh. consequences. So what's the worst that could happen? You have a big, big blowout with your baby. The worst place that that can happen is in the front carrier, like a carrier, like an ergo baby on your front and the baby's right up against you, Ooh, facing so into you. <laughs> Having experienced that, I can say that that is for sure the worst, the worst way that it can happen. While you're out and about hiking and your baby's in a carrier, it can be pretty bad. It can be pretty bad. Yeah, we did have one. I was hiking out with a girlfriend and she had a newborn baby at the time. Let's let's say six or eight weeks old. And I guess, you know, sometimes this was her second child. And 
first time parent out, you overpack, you pack a hundred things, like way too many things. Sometimes as a, as a seasoned parent on your second or third or fourth kid, you know, you, you tone down what you're going to pack. Now, in this case, I think they toned it down a bit too much because she didn't bring anything on the hike. I was a little bit like, how old was the baby? Like six, seven weeks old at the time. (laughs) And I was like, you know, I, at the very least, usually have a spare diaper, a couple of wipes atop. So they had none of those things. Uh, So we get to the end, look out, huge blowout, right? Like the kind of blowout that is not salvageable. Now, luckily, again, pro tip when you hike with a friend who's another parent, we did have a full backpack. So I luckily had some wipes. We probably could have used a few more, but we salvaged every last corner of those few wipes we had. I had, so if you're a parent listening, this is a newborn baby. Let's be in a newborn, maybe a size one diaper. My youngest was in a size four diaper at that time, but I was like, well, size four diaper is what we have. And I think I had a size like a 12 month or an 18 month t-shirt or something, you know, it was warm enough that they basically just put the t-shirt on the newborn baby, like a swaddle wrap and kind of just wrapped it up. So we did our best to solve that situation. I think they probably learned a lesson there that while it is okay to go a little bit lighter and streamline sometimes at the very minimum, you want a small pack of wipes, one diaper, and at least one outfit change when you're still in the blowout stage. So if you're listening in as an expectant parent, or again, kind of in that under six months when blowouts are more common, even if you want to pack light, just make sure you've got the basics down so you don't find yourself standing at the viewpoint with absolutely no supplies on hand at all. The thing that I, um, before COVID, hand sanitizer was like a nice to have, but it wasn't like everywhere like it is now. I'm kind of glad about that because a little travel-sized hand sanitizer, if you don't have enough wipes, it's going to be the only thing that's going to save you. (laughs) Um, The other thing I'd say about that is, you know, on a hike, if that happens to you, hopefully you're only at most a couple of kilometres from your car. The one time when I've had that happen to me with blowout in the baby carrier that you really, you don't have many options is when you're travelling on a plane. So whenever you're traveling on a plane and you put the baby in a carrier and you're going to be doing that, you might have them in the carrier to get them to sleep walking up and down the aisles. Please pack yourself a spare t-shirt, maybe two t-shirts, maybe a spare bra as well if you're breastfeeding (laughs) because you pack everything for your kid. But when that happens to you and you're just about to step on a plane and it's a long haul flight, like you, you need to have some options. So yeah, that one, I mean, it's, you think it through, what's the worst that could happen a kid has a huge accident. Well, how do I prepare for that? You take your wipes, you take your clothes, you put all these things in, you have spares of everything. And if you don't have all of those things, hopefully the next thing is you're going, you're, you're hiking with somebody who does like Jen. Yeah. Or you're very close back to your car. Um, and to that point as well, like if you're hiking somewhere that's quite warm in the summer, like why not throw in an extra t-shirt or tank top for yourself? The, the, you know, the best case scenario is you've got a backup t-shirt for yourself. If you do end up getting any kind of bodily fluids on it or an extra t-shirt, it's a great thing for you ran out of wipes, a t-shirt for a kid, you can use it to sit down on. So if you do have kind of an old t-shirt that can just kind of sit in a backpack, even just as an extra piece of clothing, I have used t-shirts to like wipe down things. You know, it just can be repurposed into so many things. So if you've got a t-shirt like that, that could be used for multi-purpose, keep it in the bottom of your backpack and you never know when it might come in handy. Maybe slightly lower on the scale of severity, but what's the worst that can happen? A lot of people, we've mentioned this before, a lot of people can 
concerned about naps and sleeping. And, you know, if a baby misses a nap, that actually might be the worst thing that could happen that day because you're so sleep deprived you need them on a schedule. And we've kind of talked about our approach to this before, but just to sort of reiterate that, like we, I think both Jen and I and our families, you know, decided that sacrificing a nap for an adventure was something that we wanted to do. And, you know, if you think of that, what's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen is my baby misses their nap. Maybe they can't get them to sleep tonight. Maybe tonight I'm going to need to ask for help from my partner or from my parent or a friend because I'm going to be a little more stressed than normal because I can't get my child to sleep. Maybe I can prepare knowing that tonight's going to be a bit more of a disaster at bedtime because I've, tr- I've chosen to go out and have this adventure. I think it kind of comes lower down in the sort of severity. It's not like a bear or it's not getting caught in the snow. But I know a lot of people get concerned about missing missing those naps and if that's the worst that could happen, maybe you put a little more prep into thinking about the nighttime um, in advance of going on a hike. And one thing, I mean, it kind of feels like a chicken and an egg thing for me. I hiked so much, but also both my babies slept very well in any kind of carrier. And it's hard to know what came first. Like, were they always going to sleep well in the carrier? Or was it just, especially for my firstborn, that he was in the carrier every day. So there kind of wasn't a bit of a choice situation. And so I felt like He'd had a lot of experience since near birth of being in that carrier and sleeping really well. Um, so it also, I would say like, if this is your first hike out or you're kind of new to this of having your baby or in a carrier or a backpack and they don't sleep the first time, don't take it as a sign that they'll never sleep in a carrier. Um, I know every baby's different. And so truly those, those sleep needs are going to be different for everyone. Uh, but don't get discouraged. You know, a timing the time of your hike a little bit differently might totally be different. Um, so I would just say, give it a couple of, you know, give it a couple of tries if you're feeling discouraged at the beginning. For me, it was just a great way to mostly just get out of the house. There's days you're trying to do everything right. And you're trying to have this nap schedule and you feel so forced by it. And then your kid doesn't nap anyways, or they get woken up after 20 minutes from their nap because their toddler barges in their room. And now they're not sleeping anyways. So sometimes you got to weigh the pros and the cons of like, I could stay home and try and get my baby and or toddler or, you know, multiple children to nap and they might nap, but they might also not nap. And then I also stayed home and wasn't able to get outside. So some days you have to know what you need more. Some days you need that day at home and you need that nap at home because that's truly what your body needs and what you need for your mental health those days. And other days you throw caution to the wind. You're going to try for the hike. You're going to try to either push the nap or have the nap on the hike, depending on the time of the day, because that's what your body needs. So sometimes you really have to just kind of pick where you are and decide what you're going to do. But the whole goal of what we're trying to do here is say, sometimes it is worth it to try and get outside because often those benefits of a little bit of fresh air, stretching your legs, and maybe a little bit of sunshine, hopefully not rain, um, on your face will just help to overcome some of the other challenges you face in your day. If we're thinking about what's the worst that can happen on a hike and you're worried that it's that your toddler won't want to hike anymore, you should check out our previous episode about how to motivate your toddler when they don't want to hike. We have some tips in there. Definitely one of the things that comes up as one of the top issues for people who are hiking with toddlers or other kids who want to walk. Um, so hopefully that can help you out. But yeah, this is kind of our approach. What's the worst that could happen? List out some things. Maybe we've given you some terrible ideas of things that could go wrong. But the idea is that by thinking about what's the worst that can happen, you can prepare for it, whether that's asking for a little more help at bedtime that day, whether it's learning a little bit more about wild animals in your area, (laughs) whether it's maybe thinking about um, the spare clothes that are going to always be in your car or the spare diaper or nappy or wipes that you're always going to carry at the bottom of your backpack no matter what. 
And when you've got those kind of things in place, the worst thing that can happen to you, you know, these when these situations actually occur, it's not that bad. You can get by and Honestly, it will be a funny story because we have just told you about our ridiculous stories where things went horribly wrong and we live to tell the tale to all of you. So hopefully this has motivated you to get out and try a new adventure with your kids. Awesome. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please hit subscribe so you can get a new episode every week. And if you'd like more tips and inspiration, and we'd love to hear back from you on what you'd love to hear on the podcast, then make sure you follow us on Instagram at Get Outside With Kids.